It's good to be here, and good to be here to share the word of the Lord with you. And uh, just thinking of that beautiful hymn, isn't the love of Jesus something? It's wonderful, isn't it? Are you glad you're saved this morning? Hallelujah. Looking down at some of you, I wouldn't be too sure now. But I hope you are, and you're rejoicing in the Lord, and you know the Lord's blessing and presence. We've just had a tremendous fortnight's mission, and we're so grateful to the Lord for his hand of blessing upon it in every way. And uh, I just say to God, be the glory, uh, great things he has done. And uh, I would ask you to pray on for a wee man especially, a wee man called Trevor. And Trevor has been in every single night of the gospel mission. And I believe the Lord is really speaking and dealing with his heart. He's a wee alcoholic and he's well known in the Laurel Vale village. And there's only the Lord can draw him in and bring him under the sound of the word. And what a blessing it was just to see him sitting in there each night throughout this past two weeks. Pray for him today as the final meeting comes to an end that, that this may be even the day when he'll come and he'll trust the Lord Jesus as his own and as his personal saviour. So precious to see him in. But do pray for Robert as well, as he concludes today also, and as well as those other missions as Roy has been mentioning. I want you to turn in your Bibles this morning. I'm not going to be preaching to you, I'm just going to be talking to you. And we're just going to take a look at the book of Daniel. And we're at the sixth chapter. Last time I was here, I spoke on the life, the life of Joseph, kind of give an overall view of his life, and we looked at that the last time I was here. These Old Testament characters, through the Word of God, are a real blessing and a real thrill to my soul as I read about them and consider their, their, their circumstances and their background and all the different things that they had to face that they had to face in life. But we are cutting in in Daniel chapter 6, and we're going to commence our reading there from the verse 1. And it says these words, It pleased Darius, or Darius to set over the kingdom an hundred and twenty princes, which should be over the whole realm or the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm, Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find none occasion or fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, 
except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then the presidents and princes assembled together to the king, and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes and the counselors and the captains, have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever asked a petition of any god or man for thirty days, one month, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing, that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, Daniel went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day, Daniel prayed, and Daniel gave thanks before his God, as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. We'll end our Bible reading there this morning. It is a tremendous passage. Let's just bow in a wee word of prayer. Our loving God and eternal heavenly Father, we thank Thee for the opportunity of coming to this house of worship this morning. We thank Thee for these beautiful hymns that we've been singing together that certainly stir our hearts as we consider Him and the love that the Lord Jesus had for us. We thank thee that that love was commended towards us. That in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We thank thee for that beautiful verse in John 3 and 16. For God so loved, so loved this world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And Father, we have so much to praise Thee for today. We thank Thee, Lord, already today for Your hand of blessing upon us in so many ways. And we just ask You now, Father, that You would close us in with Yourself and take away every distracting thought and just take us as an instrument in Your hand and use us to minister to this meeting today. We need thy help. We need thy power. We need thy presence. Abide with us today, we ask, in the lovely name of our Savior. Amen. Folks, we have read this morning this passage of the Word of God dealing with Daniel 
chapter 6. And you and I can see down, as we go down through this chapter, we can see this character, and we can see his conduct, and we can see his lifestyle, and we can see what type of an individual he was. And no matter when I read about him or look at him and examine his life, I'm always thrilled. And at times I really do feel embarrassed as I read about characters like these Old Testament saints. We're reading into a point of his life when he's not a young man anymore. We're reading at a time when, when, when he's a, a, an elderly man somewhere between 80 and 90 years of age. He's an old man. But you will discover the beginning of the book where we are, we are introduced to him and we discover that he had been back in his own land living with his family when Nebuchadnezzar decided at that time, who was a ruthless monarch, that he would go into that land and that he would turn it upside down, he would ravish the land, and he would wreck and ruin and kill and destroy. Nebuchadnezzar, you would not have liked to live in the day that he lived. He was a ruthless man. Turn back to the book of Daniel there, chapter 1, just till you see this. And the verse 1, it says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem, and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim. I want you to underline that. That's a fascinating statement, you know. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he, he brought the vessels into the treasury house, the treasure house of God. Now, verse 3. And the king spake unto Aspenaz, uh, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel of the king's seed and of his, of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science and such has had, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. That was the instruction that Nebuchadnezzar gave to his leadership as they went into Jerusalem to ravage the land. They were to single out these individuals and they were to keep them alive and they were to take them under captivity and they were to bring them back to Babylon under his control in order that he might doctrinate them into his way of going. We can see the caliber of character he's looking for. People with a good mind. People who are sharp. And among these group of young men, I don't know how many of them there were. But after ravishing Jerusalem, and after his evil activity there, listen, we discover that there was a group of young men that he, he took and he brought back to Babylon. And among that group of young men, there's four of them that we know. One of them, of course, was called Daniel. 
Verse 6, chapter 1. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That's the four. These four young men became friends and stuck close together. Their company was always good, godly company. And these four young men were among the others that were taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar and brought to Babylon. And as they were brought to Babylon, listen, it was the desire of Nebuchadnezzar that he would doctrinate them and get them to turn away from their God. But you will see Daniel as a young man, and as I want to draw your attention to him, I want you to forget about the all three just now. I want you to think about Daniel as a young boy, young teenage boy, taken captive. Listen, you and I don't read about it. You and I don't really see it here. But do you ever, I was reading this not so long ago and preaching on it the way back, and I was just thinking to myself, the heartache and the heartbreak that Daniel and his friends had to face. I often think about his family. Was his mom and dad there still alive? Had he brothers and sisters? And one day, all of a sudden, same, he got up out of bed that morning like every other morning. He was going out to do everything like he'd done every other day. And he was just going through the normal run of life. And all of a sudden, the, 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 the Jerusalem was besieged by Nebuchadnezzar. These boys came in with swords and staves, and they took them captivity. And the, the families were destroyed, and there was a slaughter. Do you ever think, about Daniel's family. Do you ever wonder what he might have seen? What he observed? To just wonder, was there many of Daniel's family slaughtered? And here's Daniel and his friends, and they're taken to a strange land under an evil monarch, and they're, he's seeking to doctrinate him and them in the ways that he wants them to go. But listen, even as a young boy, Daniel, well, we can see as a young boy, he was a young man who walked with the Lord. Take a look at verse 8 of chapter 1. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuch that he might not defile himself. I want to tell you right away as a young boy, you can see that Daniel was different than other people. And he was a young man who sought to walk with God, and he's a young man who left an imprint for God, and no matter who came across his character, his walk, his witness, I want to tell you, he left an impact on others who he met. He wasn't a gospel preacher. He wasn't an open-air worker. But I'll tell you what he was. He walked with God. And your walk with God and my walk with God on a daily basis is absolutely imperative. For what an example it leaves. And what an impact it can have upon our families and our neighborhoods. And he was a young man and he purposed in his heart. I can't do this, what he's asking me to do. 
I just want to walk with my Lord. So you can see his dedication. You can see his determination. You can see his commitment. Are we walking with the Lord this morning? Turn to chapter 2. Do you see something else about him? It says there in verse 1 of chapter 2, Book of Daniel, in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed a dream, or dreamed dreams wherewith his spirit was troubled and his sleep break from him. And the king commanded to call the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans for to show the king his dreams. So they came and they stood before the king. So I want you to just get the scene. Nebuchadnezzar went to bed that night, like any other night. As Nebuchadnezzar slept, he had this, this dream. And when he woke the next morning, his problem was this. He couldn't remember what he had dreamt. But nonetheless, he was troubled with this. And he began to gather all these boys in front of him in order that they would interpret the dream. See what it says here? Verse 3, And the king said unto them, I have dreamed a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. I'd really love to know what this is about. Verse 4, Then spake the Chaldeans to the king, O king, live forever. Tell thy servants the dream, and we shall show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The thing is gone from me. Forgot it. If ye will not make known unto me the dream with the, with the interpretations thereof, ye shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made a dunghill. But if ye show me the dream and the interpretation thereof, ye shall receive of me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore show me the dream and the interpretation thereof. You can just imagine these boys standing listening to this. I have dreamt a dream last night, boys, and I would like you to interpret it for me. One boy steps out and he says, well, would you mind letting us know what you dreamt? My problem is, sir, that I can't remember, but I want you to interpret it anyway. And you see, if you don't and you're not able to interpret it, well, you're no good to me. I'll just cut you to pieces. I'll just, I'll just slay the whole lot of you. And the boys were standing and they were listening to this. And then they began. They answered, verse 7, they answered, they answered the king. They answered again and said, let the king tell his servants the dreams and, and we will show the interpretation thereof. And the king answered and said, I know of a certainty that ye would gain the time. You're trying to bide time because ye see the thing is gone from me. But if you will not make known unto me the dreams, there is but one decree for you, for ye have, for, for ye have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak before me till the time be changed. Therefore tell me the dream and I shall know that ye can show me the interpretation thereof. Of, but these boys couldn't do it. And they answered back in verse 10. They answered the king. They answered before the king and they said, listen, here's what they said. There is not a man upon the earth. There is a man upon the earth. 
There is not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. Therefore, there is no, there, there, there is no king, lord, nor ruler that asks such things at, at, at any magician or astrologer or Chaldean. And, and it's a rare thing, king, that you requireth. And there is none other that can show it before the king except the gods who, whose dwelling is, is not with flesh. It's impossible. What you're asking us to do is impossible. Therefore, the king was furious. Verse 12 says, For this cause the king was angry and very furious. And what did he do? The command was given to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. Kill them all. They're useless. Hopeless. Helpless. Kill them all. So he sent out a boy called Ariach. He says, you go and do the job. And Daniel's life was on the line. And this boy arrived at Daniel's door in verse 14. And he knocked on Daniel's door. He burst into Daniel's door. or Whatever way he went into the house, I don't know. But listen, it says in verse 13 that the decree went forth that the that the wise men should be slain and they, and they sought Daniel and on the, on his fellows to slay him. There was a seeking after these boys to kill them. And they eventually found them. Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom to Ariag. And the captain of the king's yard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon, he answered and said to Ariag, the king's captain, why is the decree so hasty from the king? Then Ariak made the thing known to Daniel exactly what he was doing. Then Daniel went in and he desired of the king that he would give him time and that he would show the king the interpretation. Here's Daniel re- requesting time. What's he requesting time to do? Listen, verse 17. Then Daniel went to his house. You'll discover right through the book of Daniel, Daniel's house was very important to him. There was no meeting houses like the lifeboat meeting house this morning. He met in his house in Babylon to worship God. Why did he go here? Well, verse 17, Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions. Make what known? Make known what was about to happen. What did he want them to do? Verse 18, that they would desire mercies of God, of the God of heaven, concerning the secret that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Listen, you'll, you'll see secondly, not only was he a young man who walked with the Lord, but he was a young man who talked with the Lord. And prayer in the life of Daniel was absolutely essential. And I can see these four boys and they're in Daniel's house and they're on their knees and you say to me, what are they going to pray for? They're going to pray for the missionary work all over the world. Not a pin ahead of it. They're there for a reason. They're there to ask God for his revelation concerning Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And in requesting that with God, God give them the answer. I 
And they were able to go back to the king and they were able to tell the king exactly what he wanted to hear. And the king wanted to give them a big reward. As if they had done it. You can see the humbleness of Daniel. Verse 30. But as for me, he says, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living, but for their sakes that shall, that shall make known the interpretation of the king and that thou mayest know the thoughts of thine heart. I want to tell you, he was really testifying here that it wasn't to do with him. What, what, what he had revealed to the king was the hand of the Lord upon him. And he received the answer because of his prayer life. So we can see that he was one who walked with God. We can see that he was one who talked with God. But we could always see that he was one who was fearless as he stood before men. When we get to the book of Daniel chapter 6, we discover now Nebuchadnezzar's gone. There's an old boy came to the throne and his name was called Belshazzar, Nebuchadnezzar's son. And he's gone. You can read about that exit in the book of Daniel chapter 5. And there's a new boy that has come onto the throne at this particular time and, and his name is called Darius. Now Daniel's not a young boy anymore. Nor is he a middle-aged young man. As I've already said this morning, he's around 85 years of age. And this boy comes to the throne, and you will discover as you go through the life of, of Daniel, you discover that he stood face to face with Nebuchadnezzar the king. He met him face to face, invited to the palace. You'll discover that this young boy who was taken captive out of the land of Judah also stood face to face with Belshazzar, fearlessly, as he presented to him the message of the writing on the wall. And here he is again, and Darius comes upon the throne, and he takes over the running of the land, and you will discover here, Daniel is going to be face to face with him again. Now let us go down this chapter, down to where we've got to this morning, down where our Bible reading has ended. Let's see what happens in this chapter. It says here in verse 1 of chapter 6, that it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom and 120 princes, which should, which should be over the whole kingdom, and over these three presidents of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and that the king should have no damage. Now I want to stop there for a wee minute. I want you to see this man rearranging his government. He has just taken over the land. Belshazzar has been slain. And he's now setting up a government of 120 princes and three presidents to look after the affairs of the land. He realizes he can't do it on his own. And therefore these 120 men are picked and chosen out and positioned in the positionship of government in order to look after the affairs of what needs to be looked after. But there's three presidents whom these princes must give an account to. And among these three presidents is this young man or older man now called Daniel. Now I want you to see this because this is fascinating here. It says these words concerning him. Yes, 
He wanted to set up this government so that everything would run smoothly and that he would have no damage, verse 3. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. I want you to stop there. Even Darius, this boy who took over the throne, I want to tell you something, who came face to face with Daniel, put him in his government, put him in his cabinet, as we would know it in Westminster. And listen, he wanted to put him as first. And the reason why he wanted to do so, so is because he seen something in this man that seemed to be head and shoulders above the rest. I want to tell you something. Not only was Daniel a young man who was dedicated to his work with God, not only was Daniel a young man who knew what it was to talk with God, but I want to tell you something. All down through his years, he's now over 80 years of age and he's still walking with God. I sat beside an old man in a house the other day, and he's a brave age. He's sitting near 90 now, if he's not over it, and we sat down together, and he's saved for quite a number of years. And I want to tell you, he says, down beside those old fella, it would thrill your soul to see him how he's walked with the Lord. Old Sammy. And Dari has seen things here. I wonder what he's seen. You know, the verse 3 says these words, and, and Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. You ever wonder what he's seen? You see, you can't see the spirit of God in me. Oh, he dwells, he, he dwells in me. And if you're saved this morning, he dwells in you. I can't see it with a physical eye. But the Bible does say, by their fruits you shall know them. And I was just thinking of what was it that Darius seen? What was it that caught the eye of Darius in the life of this old saint of God who was now ebbing close to his final days? And I'm going to the book of Galatians and I began to look at that particular teaching there about the fruit of the Spirit. And here's what they are. Listen, there's love and there's joy and there's peace. And there's long-suffering, and there's gentleness, and there's goodness, and there's faith, and there's meek, and there's temperance. And I put it to you this morning in the Lifeboat Meeting House. Is these the characteristics that Darius seen in the life of this individual in Old Testament accounts? He loved the Lord with all his heart with all his soul. He walked with the Lord in the light of his word. And he showed forth the fruit of the Spirit in his everyday life. And people could see these things in him. Listen, they could see the love that he had for his fellow man. He could see a joy there in the midst of all those years of hardship and trials and troubles. He could see a peace, a peace of God that passeth all understanding. He could see a man who was long-suffering when you think of what people had done to him and how he had been treated, yet he was long-suffering towards them. You can see that he was a man of a gentleness spirit. 
You can see he's a man of goodness. He's a man of faith. That's why he's on his knees constantly three times a day, praying for the Lord's blessing upon him and upon his people. You can see the meekness that he shows. You can see his temperance. He's not easy to be one that flies off the handle. That's a big one, isn't it? You call it losing the rag. I want to tell you, there was things in this man's life just spoke to others without him even opening up his mouth. There's another big man I know and he doesn't live too far from this part of the world. I'll tell you, I just call him a gentle giant. And he's a lovely big Christian man. And when you come into his presence, there's a warmth there. And there's a love there. And there's a compassion there towards the Lord. Oh, he's not a gospel preacher. He's not an open-air preacher. He's nothing like that. But I'll tell you this, when you come into his presence, you know you're in the presence of a man of God. And that's what God's looking today. People who are willing to say and mean it with all their hearts, Lord, would you take my life and let my life be totally consecrated unto thee? We are living in a messed up world. But the sad thing that this messed up world has got in among the church. And sometimes I think with a messed up church that needs to get itself straightened out. Darius wanted to put him in the supreme position. Daniel wasn't looking for it. But therefore it Caused a problem. So it was a problem. We think called jealousy. Jealousy. What happened? Verse 4. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. Stop. See these boys who were jealous. They were jealous because he was placed above them. And he really wasn't placed above them. Just he had a bit of fear for with Darius above them. That's all. The three of them are all of the same standing, really. But but really in his heart, he really thought more of Daniel than the rest. And these boys recognized this. We bit, we bit like Joseph's brothers, you know. And they recognized this, and these boys didn't like it, and, and they thought to themselves, who does this boy think he is? We're going to get this boy took down. We're going to get him removed. That was their desire. What happened? Verse 4. The princes sought to find occasion against him. Now watch it. Concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion or fault for as much as Daniel was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. What a verse of scripture. What a challenge. As the world looked on, 122 individuals, listen, scrutinizing the walk of a saint. 
But what they were looking to find was this. They were looking to find fault in his everyday dealings with humanity, carrying out his public work, his public duty, to the way that he should. And as they watched him, and as they, they were looking as hard as they could to find fault that they could run to Darius, let the thing known to him that he would remove him from his position. That was their aim. That was their purpose. That was their plan. But instead of finding fault in the man, what did they find? They found a faithful servant. Just walking with the Lord. Living for the Lord. Be faithful in all of our things that we're dealing with in life. Remember, listen, everything that we do here on this planet, listen, everything that we do are open before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And as they, as they watched him, as they observed him, they were, they, they wanted to get rid of him and they wanted to find fault with him, but they couldn't find it. Instead, they found a faithful servant. Now, verse 5, their strategy changed. Verse 5, then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Listen, what was it that motivated the man of God to live in the way he was living? I'm telling you, it's the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And Daniel knew what it was to walk with the Lord, and talk with the Lord, and to live a life exemplary before the Lord. And these boys realized that in this everyday manner of of work with with the business, uh, under the government, they couldn't find fault there. So therefore, they says, listen, they've seen something else. What did they see that triggered this, this change of plan? Listen, they've seen a man of God. They've seen a man of prayer. They've seen a man completely different. Now watch this. They knew that he was a man who walked and served the Lord. And therefore, their attack came from a different angle. Now take a look at it, verse 5. Then said these men, we shall not find the occasion against Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes, what did they do? They assembled together in verse 6. They assembled together, who too, to the king. And they said these words to the king in verse 6. O King Darius, live forever. Now watch it. All the presidents of the kingdom and the governors and the princes and the counselors and the captains have consulted together what to do to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever asks a petition of any god or man for thirty days, save of the O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. That was their petition now. What did they see? Why did they change their attack? I'll tell you what they saw. They saw a faithful man, not only in his walk with God, but they watched him as he left his office every day, and he made his road home. He opened up his door, and he went into that house, and he shut the door. The windows were already opened every day towards Jerusalem, and they watched him as he knelt three times a day, and he sought the Lord. Therefore, the plan was this. Let us throw up this decree. Let us go. So 122 boys met together. They put pen to paper. They brought this proposal to the king. The proposal was this, that if anyone was found praying for one month, 30 days, except to the king, the immediate reaction would be that they'd be taken and cast into the den of lambs. 
When the boys went before Darius, it certainly filled them with ego, didn't it? I'll tell you, what they were saying to the king was a lie. It was a lie because of the wee word all. All the presidents and the princes. Not a bit of it. There was 122 of them. Daniel wasn't among them. This decree was put together to get rid of him. And they were going along to the king Darius, making out that Daniel was part and portion of it. And what did Darius do? Well, here's what he done. Listen, it says here in verse 8, Now, O king, he established a decree and signed the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. And I want to tell you something. When he put pen to paper and there was a doubling, uh, there was uh, there was a doubling of the signet on on of Daniel when he ended up in the den. But listen to this here. Listen, when he put pen to paper, what he did was this: he signed Daniel's death warrant. That's exactly what he done. He didn't even know what he was doing. He was so full of self and so full of ego to think that this would be the case, that all his nation would be bowing down before him. And I can see these boys with that signed document and they're now getting it printed and it's getting out as quick as it can. But they're making sure, let's get to the house of Daniel. And Daniel was handed a document and that document forbid him to pray for one month. One month. Daniel, you're not allowed to pray for one month. Nor no one else is allowed to pray. And the consequences is this, that if you're found breaking this this decree, you're going to be cast into the den of lions. That was their, that's what, that was their motive. Let's get rid of this boy once and for all. Now you and I are, are, are at a point now, we've got to watch this old man, oh, 80 odd years of age, and, and he's got this handed into his hand, and, and these boys are aware of what they're doing and why they're giving it to him, and, and they're all standing back now, and they're watching and they're waiting. What are the watching and waiting for. They're waiting to see what this old saint's going to do. What would you have done? What would I have done? Don't you dare stick out your chest this morning and say, I'd have done what Daniel done. (laughs) You might think you would. He said to me, why? Because listen, when you go to the New Testament, there's an old boy called Peter. And Peter one day sat down and he talked with the Lord. And as he talked with the Lord, do you know what the Lord done with Peter? He says, Peter, know what you're going to do? You're going to deny me. And Peter, he stuck out his chest. He says to the Lord, I wouldn't deny you. <laughs> Not a hope. I'd die for you. But he did. He did. And he done it with those and curses. And I don't know what I'd have done. But this one thing I do know, God gives us that grace to help at our time of need. And Daniel had to make a decision, what am I going to do? If I go to my house like I do every day, if I go and pray those three times a day, and I'm found in this situation, I'm going to be thrown into a den of lands. And here's an old man, and he's been brought to a point where he has to make a decision. What am I going to do? Well, what did he do? With two, three minutes, and then I'm finished. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, Daniel went into his house, number one. He went straight home at the normal time. 
I don't know what time. Let's say 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock. But he headed for home. And the boys have all their eye on him. I'm going to tell you something. There's 122 eyes on him. And they're waiting and they're watching to see what he's going to do. And they see him leaving the office the day like he did the day before. And he's heading down the road and he's heading to the, his home. And he's heading there for a reason. What's he going to do? Is he going to hide? Huh? First hand? Yes. When Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber. I want you to get that. He didn't open the windows. The windows were open. I put it to you, would there have been that wee thought there? Maybe I'll shut the windows today. Nobody's here, man. I want to tell you something. He didn't change his attitude, not one pinhead. The windows were open and he went into his house. And what did he do? Take a look at it. And his windows being opened in his chamber towards Jerusalem. I tell you, that's an act of faith. He's still praying for the homeland. He's still praying for God's people. And he's towards Jerusalem. And what did he do? Can you see an old 85-year-old man? And he kneeled down upon his knees. Can you see him getting down there? And the Bible says, watch it, he kneeled down upon his knees when? He'd done it three times a day, and what did he do? He prayed. He prayed. You say to me, what did he pray for that day? Well, I personally believe he prayed for the situation that was confronting him at that particular time. But number two, he did something else. Not only did he pray for the situation that confronted him, not only did he commit his life and his way to the Lord, but listen, this amazes me, and give thanks. One thing to give thanks when everything's going well. It's another thing to give thanks when your back's against the wall. And maybe your back's against the wall this morning. And maybe you're going through a hard time just like we are going through a hard time. I got two lovely verses this morning I'm going to share you with them. Number one. I believe he learned the lesson. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Do you think Daniel was afraid? I think he was. But in his fear, trusted in the Lord. And another lovely verse is this, In the day of my trouble, what will I do? I'll call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. He believed the Lord could bring him out of this. And he got down on his knees. And on those occasions when he was at prayer before the Lord, giving thanks before his God as he did before, then the men assembled and they found Daniel praying. And making supplication before the Lord. I want to tell you something. Here was he, a, a, an old man. And he not only started well. But he was willing to finish well. And you will discover. We used to sing it with the boys and girls. In the children's meeting. And maybe you dear to hear. In the lifeboat. Daniel was a man of prayer. Daily he prayed three times. I've got to stop.
in the light of all that we've looked at so far. And in examining this man's character, and as we look at our own lives, and listen, as I look at mine, before the Lord this morning, I wonder what he says. Are we individuals saved by grace who just want to walk with the Lord? Are we individuals saved by grace who know what it is to love to talk with the Lord? Are we individuals like Daniel of old who through our life's witness leaves a testimony for the Lord? Maybe today you're found wanting. Maybe today your heart's cold. The book doesn't warm your heart anymore the way it should. You see, the word of God was precious to Daniel. Not only was the word of God precious to Daniel, but the God of the word was precious to Daniel. And that life that he lived for the Lord was precious to Daniel. Let us come before the Lord this morning and let us rededicate our lives afresh to him. And let us say, Lord, take my life. Lord Jesus, let it be consecrated unto him. After all, why should we do it, says you? Because of what he has done for us. As I said at his table this morning, I thank him for the sacrifice that he made for me. May God bless his word to all of our hearts. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank thee for the great example that we have before us in thy word today. Thank you, thank you, Lord, for the life and character and conduct of this great man of old called Daniel. A man willing to give his life for his walk with God. A man willing to allow himself to be cast into the den of lions. And Father, I pray that you'll have challenged all of our hearts this morning. And Father, I pray that our lives may never become so contaminated that we become a stumbling block to thy work in these days. And Lord, if our lives are not right, help us to get right this morning. And we know, Lord, that there is a way back to God. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Cleanse us all afresh today, we pray. And if there's anyone in the meeting who is yet unsaved, that even this morning or that you might separate them unto yourself. For Father, we ask it all in Jesus' name.
and for his sake. And everybody said, Amen.